Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. This is episode 23. I'm your host, Chris McNeil. And this episode is an interview with Letitia Stiles, marketing expert, coach, and mentor to high achievers. And what this is going to do for you is it's going to help you gain insights from Letitia to identify and overcome internal and external obstacles to thought leadership. She specializes in helping your clients overcome hidden limiting beliefs so that you can get totally in alignment with what you want to achieve. Tap into a deeper mission connected to helping others and learn how she views building a movement and many different angles that I think are uniquely Letitia's and she's a very energizing and motivating coach and mentor. So let's dive right into the interview and enjoy. Thought Leadership Studio. Chris McNeil, host of Thought Leadership Studio, and I'm here with Letitia Stiles, who's a marketing expert and mentor to high achievers. She helps entrepreneurs shift subconscious blocks so they can raise the rates and gain the confidence they need to create massive profits. She's an online marketing certified professional, site K facilitator, and the founder and CEO of You've Got Clients. Her work has been featured on notable publications, including Forbes, Fast Company, and Business Insider. Welcome, Atisha. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. I'm super excited to be here. That's awesome. I think a good place to start for those who aren't yet familiar with you and your work is to um, tell us a little bit about the moment of inspiration that was the turning point for you that got you to create all that you've created to help other people with online marketing and coaching? Yeah, I I love the way that you phrase that question. Generally, the first question I always hear is like, tell me about yourself. And so thinking about it from that perspective of the the inspirational moment is, uh, is really cool. So basically what happened with me is I had, I've been wanting to create an online business for the longest time. And Um, I started out as a personal finance blogger and I was just creating content online. And I tried to take that blog and turn it into a full-time business. And my goal was, you know, to have it as something that supported myself and, you know, maybe even grew down the line. And unfortunately, it didn't quite go the way I thought it was going to go. I, after quitting my job to take it full-time, I ended up back into uh, corporate America. And at that point, I really felt 
as though I had failed. I felt like, you know, I had set out to do this, do this thing. I had this goal and it just didn't work the way that I was expecting it to. And I remember I was driving from um, our home in Tennessee to go see my, my family in Georgia, which is where I live now. And it, this was about a six hour drive. And so on the, on the road, to, um, on that drive, I remember thinking you're, you're only a failure. If you quit, you, you know, you're not going to quit, you know, eventually you're going to be successful. So what does that really mean to you right now? These are the things I'm saying to myself. What does that really mean to you right now? What do you need to do? And this moment, I remember it so clearly, uh, the radio was on and there was a song by Mary J. Blige uh, called No More Drama. And in that moment in the, the uh -huh. uh, song, she was saying, I don't know, only God knows where the story ends for me, but I know where the story begins. It's up for us to choose whether we win or lose. And I choose to win. And it was like that quote at that moment, I remember thinking, I choose to win. I, I choose to win. And uh, there was a, a mentor that I had been following that I really wanted to work with, but I had been putting it off. And in that moment, I, you know, I pulled over, I gave her a call, uh, I sent her a message and I said, I'm interested in, in working with you. And long story short, I locked that in. And that was the moment that I got started on my journey of uh, a successful business where I've been self-employed since October of 2015. I've been able to help business owners with content creation, um, teaching them online marketing, and really growing from the person who um, was just really trying to make it into where I am now, which is, um, like I said, helping clients to um, break those subconscious blocks so they can create profit. That's awesome. And I, I love the moment of decision. And it, music was a part of it. And that positive self-talk was a part of it. It's almost like you were coaching yourself to make a decision that ended up yeah. being a permanent decision that changed your life. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And so I'm sure you've run into external and internal obstacles. And mm -hmm. you're clearly very skilled at helping clients overcome external and internal obstacles. What do you think are the most prevalent few obstacles that people run into aiming to be a leader online, whether that's through content, whether that's through coaching, whether that's through consulting or being a thought leader in their business. The most common obstacles that are either inside or outside or both and the best ways to overcome those that you found. Yeah, sure. So I will give uh, one for in internal and, and one for external. I think the most prominent external conflict is that there's just not a knowledge of marketing and sales and how it needs to be done in order to, um, you know, make business successful in order to make your uh, book successful or your coaching program or whatever it is you're trying to launch. You know, often we come from organizations that have all these different moving parts. They have a marketing department, they have an HR department, they have a sales department, you know, um, an internal technology department. And uh, as entrepreneurs, often, you know, we have to wear all of those hats. And so I feel like that's one of the main external things that's really got to, you've got to get really good with sales and marketing so you can understand 
how to speak about what you offer, how to get people excited about your um, programs and your products and your services, and really being that thought leader, how to lead and how to get people to to listen to what you're what you're saying and really be in support of, so that they in turn share your message. Um, and then secondly, I'll share an internal uh, obstacle, and I believe that biggest one is a sense of imposter syndrome. And when you think of the word thought leader or think of the word expert, often we think of something outside of us. We think of someone we've learned from, someone we admire, someone we respect, um, a celebrity or someone we often see on TV. That person is the expert. You know, they're 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 on the news. They're being interviewed. This person is is the thought leader because, you know, they have a New York Times bestselling book. And it's easy to feel that sense of imposter syndrome if you're basing it on, honestly, external factors and basing it on what you see other people doing and having that comparison. And I truly feel like what holds uh, a lot of um, entrepreneurs back, business owners, is having that sense of imposter syndrome and being able to be objective and really look at yourself and say, I I actually do have experience. I've been through a lot. I have been able to help clients. And I'm in a place right now where it's time for me to step up. Um, I like to call it assuming the throne. Um, I use that analogy because I'm really into period pieces. I love watching um, shows and movies about kings and queens. Uh And there's a very consistent theme, which is, Often the king will die before he was expected to pass. And the son who is not quite of age has to assume the throne. They have to suddenly take on that role and they're being thrust in that position, even though they're not, not, not quite necessarily ready. And I feel like that's what we have to do when we choose to step into that role of a thought leader, choose to step into that role of an expert. We have to assume the throne, even though you might not be ready yet. You have to assume that position because until you see it, no one else will. That's awesome. Do you think by touching into uh, stories like that, you're tapping into something deeper, like maybe the immutable archetypes, for lack of a better word, that are behind great stories? Absolutely. 100%. Um, especially if we look at, um, I actually just watched uh, The Lion King, the new version. I was on a, um, a, a long distance flight. So I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll finally go ahead and watch it. And just watching that story arc, once again, it was the same thing. He didn't, Simba didn't feel like he was ready. He had to assume the throne. And that, you know, the reason that those, we connect with those stories, with movies, with TV shows is because it's, inside of us. It's already a story that's playing out in our life, in our community. And that's the only reason why it's it's so popular when, you know, when we do see it in a movie or in a show. So like touching into the internal story of the individual with the external storylines that resonate. And uh, absolutely. And the prince ascending to the throne is like a great storyline that's so common in so many cultures and so many times and places because it touches something deep in you. Mm-hmm. What do you, what is out of all the things you do, what is it that personally is most impactful for you that you get the most out of? Wow, I love seeing my clients succeed. 
um, it's it's a really um, it, I feel a deep sense of satisfaction when I'm able to transfer my knowledge or my confidence or my skills over to someone else. Um, a perfect example is you know a client that I worked with. She um, she was actually recommended to me by her husband. I was um, friends with her husband. We had um, you know, gone to conferences together, and he said, "I think that you should work with um, my wife. She's a perfect candidate for your services. She's really good at what she does, but she doesn't quite believe in herself yet. And I know that with you, she can succeed. You know, kind of." I'm I'm sum, su- summarizing, but that's essentially what he said. Sure. So we had a conversation, we chatted, and we started working together. And it was exactly as he said. She was very skilled, very good at what she did. The um, offer that she wanted to release was, you know, directly in line with what her clients needed. And there were just a little tweaks that she needed here and there to say, yes, you can do this. Yes, it's possible. Yes, you know, you might need a couple of marketing skills that you don't quite have yet, and we'll work on that. But it was really more so a story of uh, building that confidence. And, you know, after she got to the point where she launched and 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 got her results, me being able to see that process just felt really, really good because I, I had I felt like I had a little bit more of internal pressure on me being friends with with her husband for so long. And it was um, really a sense of satisfaction to see that, yes, it is possible to transfer over your 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 knowledge and your skills and you can do that and and when you hold that back from from the world from clients from friends family whoever it is when you hold that back you are holding back your gift that you've been given and it's important to 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 put that out there so it seems like it would cascade from your clients as you help them unleash that within themselves for those that you serve in their lives absolutely absolutely that's awesome and How about thinking of our audience uh, and assuming that someone listening to this is probably someone in business in some way, shape, or form, a leader in a business, a founder, maybe entrepreneur or solopreneur, or maybe an author, somebody looking to organize and then sell their ideas. And you've clearly been successful at this. What about some, some tips on a practical level for how to organize your ideas so that they resonate with your audience? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing that you have to start with is uh, begin with the end in mind. So generally speaking, um, when I start working with clients, the first thing we look at is what's the end goal? What's the journey? Where are you ultimately trying to lead your, your clients? And so for example, if you were writing a book, and your ultimate goal is to do speaking engagements, or if your ultimate goal is to bring people into your coaching program uh, or book people into a um, consulting offer, whatever it is, you have to think of that end goal. Once you know the end goal, then it's just a matter of creating a natural journey for the person along the way. You know, a lot of times for people who are new to marketing, they think that, well, if I just tell people what I have, then they'll understand it and they'll sign up and, and, you know, they'll move forward. But the truth is there are different stages along the decision-making process. And as a student of marketing, this is one of the things that I love learning so much about, which is just how we think about our purchase 
along the way, the the person who seems to have, you know, come out of nowhere and suddenly makes a decision, that doesn't necessarily mean they woke up that very day and said, I'm going to make this decision. Typically, sure. they've been researching, they've been reading, they've been educating themselves along the way. And so from a practical level, what we have to do with our content, with our marketing and with whatever everything that we're putting out there, is we have to make sure that it makes sense for that decision making process. So when someone first becomes aware that they have a problem or they become aware that uh, there's something wrong and they, and they want to find a solution, we have to have content for that stage. Um, once they become aware and they decide that um, they're considering a couple of different options, we want to make sure that we have content for that stage, whether it's um, the point where we're actually getting their email address and bringing them onto our list and inside of our community, or if we're just, you know, providing that content via speaking engagement, social media, maybe a book uh, that you sell or something like that. But there's there's something that we have to share to help them as they're considering their options. And then um, finally, when we get into the decision-making process, we still actually also need um, marketing materials there. Just because someone has finally made that decision and finally made a purchase doesn't mean that they're internally sold on it, and which is where we get a lot of the buyer's remorse. So it's important to reinforce that, hey, you've made a great decision. Um, this is what you're going to get. This is what the process looks like. And there's still marketing that has to be done um, at the final stage after we enroll clients as well. Love that. I think Jay Abraham called that post-purchase reassurance. That's a term yes. that stuck with me. <laughs> and, you know, what does that lead to? Referrals. Exactly. Which are some of the easiest clients to close. They're, referrals have always been great. <laughs> Oh, and yeah. uh, I always love when I when I do get one. Well, I love your insights. And there's a couple of things that really are, are standing out to me about it. And one of them is that you started by saying, what's your vision for your audience? Mm -hmm. And that's so, so much more expansive than just your vision for yourself. It's a vision for the marketplace. It's a vision for leading others that, of course, dovetails with all the things that the benefits that the leader, the thought leader, the marketer would get from that. And your attunement to the psychology of how the customer goes through a buying process or, or first a research process, maybe first a curiosity process before that, and matching the learning, the research, and the buying process by being there at whatever stage they're at so they can hop on and, and engage deeper from that point. Those are some yeah. very cool insights. Uh, here's something I'm curious about is if somebody's just starting out, obviously everybody starts out, say on Twitter with one follower themselves. Mm -hmm. Everybody starts on YouTube with one person in their audience. And it probably seems like a really steep uphill climb for people just starting out. Because it is, I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there is a critical mass you have to get to before you can expect any kind of response. Mm -hmm. What words of encouragement would you offer to someone just starting out? And what have you noticed both in yourself and your clients for when to expect what kind of response? Yeah, I find this to also be difficult for introverts because um, as someone who identifies as introverted, I often will read other people's content. Um, I, you know, view videos, and I may never comment. 
uh, even though I'm, I'm silently supporting them. And I tend to also attract introverts. And I know that they are doing the same thing. Often they're silently supporting my content, they're reading. And I know that because I, I do get feedback uh, often that says, oh, I really enjoyed, you know, such and such piece of content you put out. So I will say to the person who is, you know, just getting started and they have an audience of one is um, that it takes one person to tell the next person and then that person will tell the next person and then suddenly it just grows outside of uh, of your influence there's um there's a ted talk i don't remember the title of it but in during the ted talk they were explaining how a mass moving movement grows and they're showing a video of someone at a festival who's just dancing crazily by themselves. And when they're dancing crazily by themselves, everyone is looking at them as if they're the odd person out, which they are. They look a little bit insane. They're just dancing and they look a little silly. Then suddenly one person joins them and now you've got two weirdos dancing and people are still looking, kind of laughing. And then suddenly a third person joins and a fourth person. And then like five people join all at once where the group of people dancing outnumbers the group of people that's just sitting there watching them. And I, I think the Ted talk was uh, also talking about uh, like social proof and how to basically create a, a mass movement and, and gain a following. And, and the, the key and the, the moral of the story is you're always going to be the, the lone person you're always going to start off as the lone person dancing by yourself. But what encourages the next person to come follow you and the next person and the next person is that you're not just sitting down thinking, well, no one came to join me. I tried dancing for five minutes. No, like you're continuing to do it because you enjoy it, because you love it. Because if no one else was there and no one else was listening to you, you would still be creating that content. You'd still be talking about that topic. You're passionate about it. You love it. And it doesn't matter if you have an audience of one, an audience of 10, or an audience of 10 million, you're still going to be leading without wondering, is anyone following me? Because this is what you enjoy and this is what lights you up. So I'm getting a couple things from this that are really cool. One is that it seems to me that maybe one of your guiding principles is empathy. Mm. You seem very good at getting yourself in the mind of the other person. Which... I, 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 am, um, I am very uh, empathetic and um, I tend to, I'm really good at reading the vibe of other people. I'm really good at understanding what's behind the words that someone's saying and even the things that they don't say. And I think that that's helped me um, with working with clients. But the crazy thing is, is that I never knew that. I never knew that at the very start. I took a, a Gallup Strength Finders exam just to find out what am I good at? What are my skills? I've always sort of been a, um, a round peg trying to fit into a square hole, not realizing that I am an entrepreneur, that um, I'll never quite fit in and that my my skills, which Gallup showed me was strategy and vision, are not necessarily something that can fit into a job description. Sure. But I was able to take those and use that with clients. And I'm just I'm really thankful that I, that I stumbled across the career that I have now. Yes. And the other thing, you know, I love that, by the way. And, and the other thing is, I like what comes across to me. And correct me if I'm off base, but it seems like you're also focused on, hey, the rewards will come 
enjoy the process. There's, mm -hmm. It's intrinsically rewarding to contribute to others, even if there's in the beginning just one person silently appreciating what you do. If you can envision that person and step into their thoughts a little bit, you'll realize the value of yourself and what you're offering. Absolutely. I think um, when I first started and I was creating YouTube videos, which I will say is, is one of the most difficult things to do. So anyone who's out there creating YouTube videos, hats off to you, because at the very start, you are sitting in a room alone, looking into a camera. There's no one in the room and there never will be, because generally speaking, you're going to be just creating videos in a room by yourself. And I had uh, a person in mind. I was actually thinking of my sister and I was creating these personal finance videos. And I started thinking, what would she think is funny? What would she enjoy watching? Um, what does she need to know? And I just started creating videos with her in mind. And every time I looked into the camera, I would envision that I was looking at my sister and I was basically trying to make her laugh. And I think oh, I that's like that. what helped. <laughs> that helped a lot. And, and it made me not feel so alone sitting in the room recording video. That's cool. So thinking of somebody that you already connect with. Absolutely. And and putting them on the other side of the camera so that hey, there is someone I'm relating to. And, and people are there. They're just separate in space and time. So we, we have to use our imagination to some extent. And I know the challenge of that on a lot of levels. I get it. Yeah. So you work a lot with subconscious belief systems, I understand. Mm -hmm. What's a good story about changing a belief in someone that in, that was really holding themselves back and you're able to make a difference in that? Um, that's a great question. I, I would say um, one that comes to mind is um, a client who I started working with in um, at December of one year and then we ended our 90 day uh, coaching program in like February or March. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the coaching program, there were still a lot of things that, you know, we wanted to work on. And so I spoke with her and I, and I said, I, you know, I'd love to work with you over the next year. So I say that to make the comparison of 90 days versus, versus 12 months. Um, during that 12 month period, there were a lot of different things that we had a conversation about but at the very start, when we first started working together, the one thing that she wanted to do was to book clients into a retreat that she was hosting. Oh, cool. And it seemed that um, she was having a really hard time with that, um, even though we put together the marketing and everything that she needed. And, and you know, in those first 90 days, she didn't book anyone in, into the retreat. And so after we worked together over that 12 month period, I noticed that there were some things that she kept saying that were there were underlying beliefs that were not serving her to actually help her book those clients. And one thing I remember her saying was I booked a client, um, but I only booked her for $2,000 and $2,000 doesn't go quite that far. Mm. And I remember immediately responding back to her and I said, please reframe that. Number one, you booked a client. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's something that you didn't have several months ago that you you couldn't say several months ago. And secondly, $2,000 is just a number. It goes as far as it needs to go. There's no negative or positive associated with the number 2000. If you do, that's what's going to prevent you from you know, attracting in even more clients, regardless of the number. But we have to understand that that 
that number doesn't have any emotion attached to it. It's simply, it is what it is. $2,000 goes as far as it needs to. As I continue to appreciate and accept the clients that are coming in, the money that is coming in, I will bring in 2,000, 4,000, 5,000, 10,000, and you know, up to whatever it is that I choose, choose to call in. So gratitude is a piece of it. Gratitude is everything. It really is. How did you most deeply learn that lesson, either as you were evolving as a coach and consultant and marketer, or as you're working with a client where that lesson was reflected back to you about gratitude? Um, I, I learned a lot on my uh, six hour drives from Tennessee to Atlanta when I was uh, traveling to see my family when we were living in Tennessee. And um, one drive, I was listening to a book and the book was talking about the wisdom of our uh, of our cells. My, um, the author's name escapes me right now. Oh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, Wisdom of Our Cells. And he was talking about some experience uh, experiments that he did where he was observing cells, so just single cells, observing them, um, and the different um, things that he was doing in the environment to influence what should or shouldn't happen. So he took some muscle cells, he took some um, skin cells, et cetera, et cetera. And what he learned and what he realized is that there's more than just DNA that influences us. Our um, outside environment influences us as well. And the extrapolation he made is that how we perceive how things are, are happening influences us the most. Therefore, it's not necessarily what we were born with, but what we believe we were born with that can influence us the most. Um, and so as I was listening to that, that's what led me to become a Psych K facilitator and really learn more about that process of influencing beliefs. And what I discovered is that gratitude is the, the highest vibration, is the highest sense of well-being and good when you simply are in thanks for what you have, for what is out there, even if you don't necessarily have it, just what's, what's available to us. The fact that we're breathing in air in and out, like that's something to be thankful for. And the more you say in gratitude, the more you're grateful for what you have, the more you'll be able to perceive all the other things that um, maybe are not necessarily in your experience right now that you'd like to bring in, but you'll, you'll get better at seeing what's available. And I guess a good uh, practical story to go along with this is the very first client that I booked was a friend of mine who I had interned for. Uh, he gave me a call. Um, this was when, after I had um, tried to take my personal finance blog full-time and I was you know, just really kind of down and depressed, um, he gave me a call and he said, um, hey, I, I love what you've been doing with your blog. I'm interested in um, you know, some content. I need to talk to you about content. And I remember when I got on the phone with him, my thought was, well, I'm just going to tell him what to do. And, you know, he just wants some advice. Fine. But because I was in such a sense of gratitude for the fact that, you know, I, you know, I still had a place to live, you know, I was just little things that I was still just feeling a sense of gratitude for. I saw that situation differently. And I said, oh, this could be a potential client. Maybe I'll ask him if he's interested in having me run the content for him and run the social media for him. And that thought was what led to my very first client, my very first retainer client. And that's what built the business from that moment. So that's awesome. Would you say that or see that holding a state of gratitude 
keeps the windows open to let good things in. Absolutely. I would agree with that a hundred percent. So you have, you have a really well-organized message online. What tips can you offer our listeners on how to organize their messages so that they have impact? Absolutely. Um, one of my very favorite way of doing this is to create a presentation, essentially a sales presentation. Some people might call it a webinar. I call it an anti-webinar. But basically what it is, is it's you laying out the thing that your ideal client desires, the thing that you know you can help them with, the um, the topic that you're, you're an expert on or, or whatever it is that you're teaching, and then transitioning into the things that that person believes they might have to do in order to get the awesome thing. Um, so what they, their current beliefs, what they think is true and what you know to not be true, right? You know, those to be myths. So you would talk about that. Mm -hmm. And then finally, the reasons that they internally might not believe that even if they were to get that awesome thing, they were to be able to avoid the things they don't want to do. Um, they still might have some internal doubts. And when you pull that together, along with some other elements, um, which I talk about, which are pulling in your credibility, um, who you're speaking to, why this is right for them. And, and there's a couple of other things that we lay out inside the presentation. But once you pull all of that together, that is essentially your message. That's your one message that can be extrapolated out into a full 10,000 word book or more. It can be truncated into a short five minute presentation. It can be stretched into a one hour uh, speaking engagement. Once you know what your core message is and you've outlined it and put it together, that's where you pull from for, you know, social media posts, things like that. And so I think it's important, um, especially as, you know, people who are coaching, who are thought leaders, you know, often we have all of these thoughts in our head, but we haven't really put it together in a succinct way. And some people believe they have to write a full book in order to really get their thoughts out when sometimes all it takes is you outlining those three things. What's the thing that you know you can help people with? Why do why do people believe that they might not be able to achieve it or that it might be difficult? And then what are some of the common myths and common doubts that people struggle with um, when trying to achieve the thing that you can help them with? And just outlining that really can help you pull together a very strong and solid and succinct message. I love that. It's, it's got a lot in common with some of the things that I work with too, actually. Mm -hmm building a bridge from an old belief to a new belief. That's, that's exactly it. And, and you build that bridge and then you guide people along that bridge. And when you think of it that way, and the way that you use storytelling and the way that you draw on stories of royalty to tap into deep archetypes or deep storylines that exist within all of us that has an emotional component. How do you 100%. Speak? Well, you're great at, transferring positive emotion. How do you see the balance of logic and emotion in the sales process, both in person and online? I think that emotion sells first. The first thing that someone thinks when they want to buy something is like a gut feeling of, ooh, I want that, or I would love that. And generally speaking, that's tied to an emotion that we desire to feel a sense of accomplishment or a status or respect or power. There's some emotion that generally can be boiled down to one word 
And we feel that purchasing this thing is going to give us that. Mm -hmm. That emotion is immediately followed up by our rational brain, which is a little bit slower. It's our lizard brain. Uh, it's trying to catch up, but it does catch up eventually. And it starts to say, okay, well, maybe you're not going to be able to achieve this outcome that you think you're going to get with with the thing you're going to buy because of X, Y, Z, or, uh, you know, you shouldn't be spending this money because of this, or didn't your um, dad tell you that if you did something like this, you'd always feel this way. So there's a, that's when those fears and doubts start to creep in. And so that's the reason why sometimes people who feel like they've done impulse shopping, or if they feel pressured into a purchase, they often feel scammed because they they didn't leave enough time for that lizard brain to catch up and essentially protect them from that fear. So generally speaking, um, this is what I do during my sales process and also what I teach my clients is obviously we want to share the emotion. We do want people to sense what they believe they're going to receive, but also we want to give them the rational and the logical as well. This is why it makes sense financially. This is why it makes sense in the context of what you're doing. And also there's no pressure because I'm not going anywhere. Um, but however, if you do choose that you want to make the decision, I do uh, reward fast action takers if that's right for you. If not, you're still going to get the full benefit of you know XYZ offer and you just tell me what you'd like to do from here. And I think that you know when you when you treat your clients like that and potential clients like that and you really speak to them, as human beings, rather than numbers, digits, or dollars, are able to really make a, a clear connection, which is, is necessary as a coach or someone who's providing a transformational service. Um, it's important to make that that person-to-person -person connection rather than just dollar-to-dollar. Um, -dollar. Sure. And I, I love how you, you lead with the emotional selling, but then we know we have to also concurrently deal with the rational mind and all the logical reasons. And of course, it seems like a lot of people think that they just purchase on logical reasons, but they're just using the logic to support their emotional decisions, in at least many of the cases. Absolutely. So if we had a group of entrepreneurs and thought leaders sitting in the room, and we have just a few minutes to get them excited about what they're gonna do next, whether and they're in the process of building their vision, they have kind of a vision coming to mind and they feel a little tentative. What would you say to them? Well, the first thing that I would do is I would ask everyone to stand up and do some sort of movement. The reason is motion creates emotion. And even as I'm speaking right now, I'm moving my hands and that's to um, in influence my energy so that I, I don't just sound dull and I'm monotone. And so once you start moving and you get into motion, you can really work with that energy that you're moving around. Then I would ask them to envision the person that they want to help, the organizations that they want to influence, the the ultimate and end, the end client, the end consumer, who is benefiting from the thing that you're offering. And as they're envisioning that person, I would ask them, okay, now let's think about you having a conversation with them. So it's really tapping into the emotion, the energy, the visualization, and really getting them excited for that end goal and that that end result. Um, so it wouldn't necessarily be 
a a power uh, speech or or a, a pep talk <laughs> or mm-hmm, a coaching sure. speech, but more so an opportunity to move and and feel that emotion uh, so that they have excitement moving forward. That's awesome. And how would our listeners learn more about you and what you have to offer? Yeah, um, if you'd like to learn more about me, you can go to you'vegotclients.com. Um, that's the business website that talks um, more about what we do to help uh, coaches create and fill their coaching programs with high quality clients. I'm most active on YouTube and that's youtube.com slash Letitia Styles. Um, and then also once you get to the website, you'll see links to all of my other social media platforms. Fantastic. And I'm going to put links to this all on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. So if you are listening to this on an app, then just click the link in the episode description. If you're listening to this on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, well, just look down the page just a little bit and you'll see it there. Well, this has been awesome, Leticia. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise, your knowledge, and your enthusiasm with us. Yeah, great conversation. Thanks for having me. Thought Leadership Studio. Well, I hope that was a mind-expanding interview for you to think of how to apply Letitia's insights to your own situation, whether that's finding your own turning point or thinking back to when that turning point was when your passion awakened about what you're doing, Uh, whether it's for identifying and overcoming obstacles to your own thought leadership, your own marketing, your own leadership, whether that's drawing on archetypes like she talked about the initiation archetype of assuming the throne, finding a mission and helping others, matching the stages of buyer engagement with your marketing, or when you're just starting out, being okay being that solo dancer who does it for the pure intrinsic joy of leadership, knowing that you'll attract others. So if you haven't checked it out yet, if you're not on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, if you're listening on an app, check out the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. We've got some links to Letitia's material. We also have some free offers like the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership and a limited offer, free 30-minute thought leadership discovery meeting that I'm currently offering. Love to work with you if you're in a position of leverage. Let's talk. In any case, thanks again for listening. This was episode 23 of Thought Leadership Studio, and see you next week. Thought Leadership Studio.